0: Good morning. Would you pray with me, please? Praise you, Jesus. Father God, it's all about you. It is well with my soul. Father God, we invite you into our presence, Lord God. Rain your Holy Spirit down upon us. Unify us. Break us, Father. Break us for you, Jesus. Lord God, we are standing on holy ground because it's your ground, it's not ours. Father God, we pray as we go into this week, Father, even now, Lord, that those that don't know Jesus Christ, that you would begin to open their ears and open their hearts Father, we come with an expectancy that the power of Jesus Christ is going to do mighty things this week. We lift it all up to you, Father God. I thank you for the privilege of standing here today. Thank you, Father. Lord God, I just pray that you would just give me the words that you want me to say. Because it's all about you. And we ask all these things in the name of the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, amen. First off, I just want to say thanks to anybody sitting in this room that's prayed for me over the last five months. Some of you I know caught it on Facebook. Some of you didn't catch it at all. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. So I'm briefly going to get you up to speed. Over the last five months, I've faced a spiritual attack on my life that according to the medical industry, which I don't know a whole lot about, and I don't think a lot of them know a whole lot about it either, um, I was pretty close to death. Um, So thank you for praying for me, because that's what's got me standing here right now today. That's all that's got me standing here. To him be all the glory, power, honor. It's not about me. Please don't ever take it that way. But I just want to share with you for a couple minutes this morning on what's going on. Uh, I went in January 30th to get bilateral knee replacements done. And I went in with the attitude that, man, we were going to knock this out of the park. I knew I was going to be in pain. I knew there were things that were going to have to be worked on. I knew that I had probably one of the best knee surgeons in the United States available. And we went in there to set a blaze of glory. And that worked out really, really well for about four days. We were going, the knees were going great. Uh, Ended up, due to some narcotics, with an ileus, which basically shut down my entire intestinal system. One of the nastiest things I've ever dealt with in my life. They stuck an NG tube down my throat, and that allowed everything that should have been exiting somewhere else to exit through my throat. It was just not a big fan. Um through that, uh, they took the tube out after a couple days, and uh, then I had the privilege of having the runs for two days. Every 40 minutes, I couldn't get past making it to the toilet, which was a extremely good therapy for my knees, um, and I'm being dead serious. I mean, that's just where we were, you know. It was just like up and down, and I'm like, really? You know, I can't catch a break here. What's going on? Not doing the well was me thing at all. Please, don't take it. That was not the case. We were just there ministering to whoever we could minister to. My family was absolutely incredible through this thing. Out of the five weeks I spent in a hospital, I bet I wasn't left unattended for four hours. Um, they just wouldn't leave me, any of them. There was always somebody there. But through all of that, most importantly, God was there every second of the day. As they did the ileus and got rid of that and got that cleared up, okay, they took the tube out. They sent me home. I was home. I don't know. Was I home five days? Two days. I was home two days. Then we went back. I can't keep track of all this because some of it I was conscious for, some of it I wasn't. It was just, you know, up and down, whatever. Long story short, I ended up uh, back in the hospital. We went through. Sticking tubes in my side to let the gallbladder drain and to let the liver drain, and um, one hospital was telling me that my liver or my gallbladder was going to have to be removed, and my liver was blown apart. I mean, we've got all kinds of things. Long story short, I ended up having a GI bleed. Ended up about two o'clock in the morning, going into the bathroom. My wife had come up and checked on me as she had done many times throughout this process. And she said, what are you doing? I said, i got to go to the bathroom. I've got to go into the bathroom. She said, you just went to the bathroom. I'm, okay, laid back down. She's like, you okay? I'm, yeah, I'm okay. She went back downstairs, came back up. I'm sitting on the side of the bed again, and she said, what are you doing? I said, I've got to go to the bathroom. She said, well, okay, let's go. So I went into the bathroom, and I said, as I was walking in, I said, uh-oh. she's what? I said, I don't think I'm going to make it. She said, what do you mean? I said, I don't think I'm going to make it to the toilet. So what was exiting me was blood at a very high rate. By the time the ambulance got there, and by the time they got me out of the bathroom, we live in an older house. The bathroom's kind of small. Um, unfortunately, the people they sent with the ambulance had a lot of skills and abilities, but they were not large in stature, and to get my big butt out of the bathroom wasn't an easy task. So we called in the reinforcements, one of them being my son. The, my wife was there and my son was there. And a lot of you know Carl from when he was a smaller. Carl's turned out to be a pretty good-sized young man. And uh, after about 40 minutes, the, one of the guys with the ambulance said, well, we're going to have to call the fire department. And get some extra guys here to get him out of here. We're not going to be able to get him out of here. And Carl was like, Nah, you done missed a boat on that, guys. We're going to get him out of here. And they proceeded to put a sheet around me and literally drag me out of the bathroom. By the time they got me out of the bathroom, into the ambulance and all that jazz, and got me to the ER, I arrived at the ER with a hemoglobin level of three. Um, a friend of mine who was a doctor in the emergency room, not at the hospital where I was, but at another hospital, Said that he's not seen too many people come out of H of three. So we didn't know how serious it was. I didn't know anything was going on that serious, you know, nobody told me. I just knew when they got me to the ER there was a lot of people standing my around my bed, a lot of people standing around the gurney doing a lot of things that I had no idea what they were doing, except some of them extreme pain being afflicted. All right, maybe some of these people feel they gotta get me back for some things, so that's cool. Uh, they ended up putting a pick line in my groin so they could put blood into me faster than they could get it in through the arm. They put seven pints of blood in me that night. They put another pint in the next morning. Um, and during this whole time, I'm not thinking anything's too crazy wrong. You know, they're working on me, they're getting me fixed up. I don't even know what's wrong. I'm in and out of it. They wouldn't let any of my family into the ER at that point in time. So they got to the point in time, I guess, where they thought it was semi stable. And they allowed the family to come in. My daughter came in and immediately started praying in tongues. And I watched who came through the door with her. And it was my family. My daughter is immediately praying in tongues. My wife comes over and kisses me on the cheek. And she starts praying. And everybody else that was with them started praying. And then through the door walks one of my best friends. Rusty Gibson. Rusty and I have been best friends for a long time. One thing I know about Rusty, Rusty does not get out of bed at two o'clock in the morning unless somebody's dying. (laughs) It didn't take too long after I saw him come into the room to figure out I was that somebody. And it hit me. I'm thinking to myself, they're telling these people I'm dying. But nobody ever said that to me. Nobody ever said I was dying. I find out later that they said I was within 30 minutes of death. That if I'd have been 30 minutes later getting to the ER, I would have been gone. We walked through the next couple of weeks in and out of the hospital. Out of February and March, I spent... Five weeks of those eight weeks in the hospital. Ups and downs, various things going on. And I don't tell you this for me. I tell you this for one reason and one reason only. The same God that protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire. The same God that rose Lazarus from the grave. The same God that protected Daniel in the lion's den that allowed Noah to build an ark has not changed an ounce. That power I stand before you today has a miracle. That power that saved every one of those is still here for every one of us to grab a hold of and to claim and to use In the name of Jesus, I know some of you are sitting here today and I don't know your needs, but some of you are sitting here, you're hurting. Your hearts are hurting. You got things going on in your life. It's a spiritual attack, folks. If you're here this week to do the Lord's work, be ready for the spiritual attack. Because Satan does not want us to save another soul for Jesus Christ. It's not about any of us sitting here. It's about what we're going to do to advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ together. We need to realize that. We need to realize there's times when I'm going to say stuff or you're going to say stuff or something's going to happen. And we're not going to see eye to eye. And I'm okay with that. We don't always have to see eye to eye. But make sure we don't let the enemy get a single victory this weekend. Realize we're under a strong, heavy spiritual attack. And in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we're going to defeat it. We're going to advance his kingdom together. Because that's all it's about. It's not about nothing else. It's about God coming into our presence Rain down a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us. Advance the kingdom of Jesus Christ. If you're riding around here this week and you need prayer, stop me. I'd be happy to pray with you. If there's something going on in your life that you want to share with me, I'd be happy to pray with you. The only thing I ask is that you pray in faith with an expectation that God is going to do mighty things in your life. I have had the privilege of experiencing it firsthand and if something's going on that you want to share with me I'd love to pray with you I'll keep it in confidence I'll pray with you I'll even get some anointing oil and put it in my pocket and keep it with me all week because I believe Jesus is gonna touch each and every one of you this week I'm coming with an expectation we have been both of these organizations together have been under so much spiritual attack and spiritual fire that I can only imagine God is going to do a mighty wonderful work this week. I love you all.
1: Thank you Bruce. Um thank you so much for coming out this morning. Um Sunday gathering with the body of Christ to uh, glorify his name is always a good thing. It's it's a mandated thing, but it's mandated for our own benefit and for our health. That's why God says in Hebrews 10 not to forsake the gathering of the fellowship. Um, it is a good thing, um, not just because it keeps us accountable, because I think it resonates Christ even that much more, and that as we in unity do that, I think that is a witness in and of itself. Um, the... The goodness of God is just so good. I don't know how to describe that anymore, and I think that as we walk through things, trials, um, successes, if you will, that oftentimes um, our expectations can change. In other words, what um, the answer to prayer should be, we start to put before God rather than just our heart in the situation. And what happens and tends to happen is we, um, in our will, very slowly usurp God's and um And what God wants to do through something that might be quite a difficult situation, which maybe was compounded, you know, hey, knee surgery, not fun, necessary, let's go in and do that. All of a sudden, for the next um, several months, you've got a battle going on that you never saw, came out of right field. But if you had placed your expectations before God saying, hey, I expect this, and I'm going to walk up, and I'm going to be able to go play volleyball again every Sunday, and that was going to be your expectation, well, Bruce was coming in for a, a real rude awakening. But I think just like this year, which is obviously turning out to a different 40th anniversary than probably any of us expected, we had expectations coming in here. We put stuff before God. We said, it's going to look like this, and I'm going to pray for this, and it's going to be that. And I'm not going to go on any further than I need to because Ben's going to be coming up here with a message soon, and he might have to drag me off. But the thing is, we put expectations before God every year before we step foot on these grounds in our own lives, in our own family, with our own children, with our families. We place us before God, and when things don't go the way in which we desire them to, people talk about our faith being rattled, maybe it's shaken. I look at it very much as a a revealer of where our hearts truly are in regard to God and idolatry. What has usurped or eclipsed that view that we had of God and are basking in his presence and his goodness and trusting him and all that he's put before us. What situation has come there? And in Christianity, after we're saved, we have this thing called sanctification and this process by which God is continually renewing us until we see him face to face and we are that perfect and that we are in those glorified bodies with him. Until then, it's that process where we walk that out. And in Philippians 2, he says this, it is God who works in you both to will and to work according to his good pleasure again it is god who works in you to will as in he imposes his will based on his sovereignty in you to work for his good pleasure and our expectations are sometimes sometimes and oftentimes tied to our good pleasure If I were to ask Bruce right now, hey, was it pleasurable to be in the situation you were in? He hopefully, with a wonderful brain, would say, Absolutely not. But as we go back to the hymn that we sang at the end, it is well. God's promise is for our souls, not for our bodies. They will be glorified at the end, but in this world right now, the promise is for our souls. If it was for our bodies, there would be no such thing as a martyr. If it were for our bodies, there would be no such thing as sickness. But, but there is, and it's real, and there's sin, and it's real. We choose it sometimes, we fight it sometimes. We have victory sometimes, and our bodies don't. And many of you have testimonies beyond even what Bruce might say and beyond what I might even know and have experienced that say, you know what? On the other side, it didn't come out with somebody walking up here with a testimony. It came out with a testimony of them before the the Father, the ultimate goal for our souls. And so as we approach this week, as we approach today, as we approach setup, may we lay our expectations before God and let him care for our souls. And as that works itself out spiritually in our hearts, may that affect and speak into the situations in our lives. And let God have the last word on what that looks like. If it were my expectations, everything would be great. All the ground would be dry. We'd have a million people here. 70 stages, 90 speakers every five minutes. <laughs> Christian music that's actually advancing. You know, things like that. <laughs> but I say that even, in, even with that comment, God is sovereign. God cares about hearts. God cares about souls. And he will shepherd them until he sees us face to face as his desire was in creation, and we're going to be with him. Lay your hearts before God, lay your expectations there, too, and trust him with that situation that's in front of you. Okay? I had to say that before. I said, hey, welcome, thanks for all the meals and all that fun stuff. I'm sorry. That being said, before Ben comes up, this will be really four seconds, Um, but I just want to thank every hand that has participated in the setup meals today. You guys, you know, clearly in our expectations from last year, it's always just to improve upon meals for the next year or whatever and just take into account those things, Um, but we didn't expect certain things, and you guys have far exceeded by God's grace, in my opinion, a lot of what has ever happened up in that barn. Um, Not in any negative way on what's happened in the past, that's not my point, but the camaraderie, the fellowship, the people who flew from the West Coast, which thank you guys for buying tickets, traversing through plane flights, doing all of what you do. Thank Carla and Alicia. Thank Michelle when you see her, and you see the millions hands that that are different every time you might go there, whoever's serving your food. Um, And so thank them. Thank for all the hands that that are there right now. So I appreciate you guys just kind of coming together and making it happen, and I look forward to seeing a lot of that, not just in the kitchen, but out on these fields you set up. So Thank you all, and um, without further ado, I do want to bring up Ben Comer, who is just a true blessing to our ministry and just has a a very timely word that I think we all can walk through. It's thematically just pure through and through, to be honest with you, so um, let's welcome Ben.
2: Working on my baseball skills today as well, thank you. Good morning, thank you all so much for coming. Thanks so many of you for coming many, 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 many years in a row. I'm always amazed at, uh, at this process uh, and to see all that um, God's gonna do uh, today and tomorrow as we welcome people onto these grounds on Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm personally so happy to be here with you all. What an amazing journey, a long journey this has been for us all. The journey for me only started four years ago uh, when Troy uh, bought into the festival. And uh, I've learned so much and I have so much uh, to learn in the future uh, about what you guys have, have done and have built. But before I go on, let me just introduce my, my family. I would be... Uh, I'm remiss. Two of my family members, one's here, but physically not here somewhere. I don't know what's going on, but anyways, my oldest son, Wesley, you'll see him. He walks around, looks somewhat like me, better looking, but um, he, uh, he'll be helping, d- doing different things. And my oldest daughter will be here on Wednesday. Uh, she'll be coming in and being a part of the event with us. And this is my wife, Shelly. She's been such a blessing to me for almost 23 years. We're just so thankful. <laughs> and my youngest daughter, Lizzie. She may not stand up, okay. And then my youngest son Andrew—he'll stand up for sure. There we go. Thank you. So the first time I ever walked on these grounds was on June twenty-fourth, uh, nineteen. Excuse me, twenty fourteen. So exactly four years ago today. Um, four years ago, I—it was a Tuesday, not a Sunday—and uh, Troy told me to go shadow Bill Darpino just in case he gets hit by a Mack truck and you have to take over. (laughs) Troy was so confident that I would catch on quickly that he flew me in on Tuesday and then I actually flew home on Friday and didn't even see the end of the festival. So by September of 2015, I thought I had finally caught on a little bit, Um, but it was still very much a challenge to be able to help Bill and this amazing team with all the things that God has called us to do. But a couple of funny stories before we get into God's Word, we're going to look at Psalm 31, if you want to turn there, is a patch of scripture that we're going to look at mostly today. Uh, but a couple of funny stories uh, before we get into that. As you all know, g- using GPS to get here can be a challenge, right? <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, not necessarily really the, always going to work like we think it should. And so, a GPS brought me in from Pittsburgh and brought me around to the back gates, and so I uh, just saw people there, and, and I didn't know where I was exactly, I very much didn't know where I was or how this was all laid out, so I just pulled in, it was in uh, the K field, that I now know as K field, I had no idea what it was then, and within two minutes, I was just walking around, kind of getting the lay of the land, I saw different little food vendors over there, not knowing that that was like the rogue food vendors that I now know and different things like that, and the swimming pool across the street at the neighbor's house and not really knowing what all that meant. Well, within two minutes, they had a youth minister that had backed his truck into my rental car. (laughs) That was my last chance to get out. (laughs) And I didn't take it. So then I walked over to someone who was working at Either I don't know what position they held, but it was a it was someone that was probably one of you, and uh, I asked, "Hey, do you know who Bill D'Arpino is?" They said yes, <laughs> and then there were just crickets <laughs> for a long time. And I went on to explain, "Well, I'm supposed to meet him." I was instructed to come here and meet him, and they said, well, you could go on up to the admin building. And they gave me directions to the admin building. Well, not really knowing how everything was laid out or if there was parking there or not, I proceeded to walk up Spider Town to the admin building. Great first impression, right? So then I finally make my way into the admin building, and and Bill is in in there, and um, he knows I'm coming, Uh, But he's busy. He's got stuff to do. And uh, as I described it to Troy later, this is a thousand mile an hour train that I'm trying to get on. (laughs) And Bill doesn't have any time to talk to me or explain anything to me. So I'm just kind of hanging out. Um, But there was not a whole lot I could learn and surely nothing that I could do to help Bill that day. But I've learned a little bit since then, and I'm so thankful that I didn't go back to the airport when the youth leader backed into my rental car, or when one of you did your job so well protecting Bill and his identity and where he was. (laughs) The last four years of serving creation has been incredibly rewarding, but at the same time full of agonizing work. Thank you for accepting me into your family even though as you all know, I'm still a rookie. The financial challenges of the last four years have been never ending. But the emotional challenges of the last seven months have brought everything to a whole new place of pain. Maybe you're past all the pain and many, many participants are not gonna have any clue that some of us may be in mourning throughout this week. Since we average 50% of our crowd being brand new every year, many people will not know that Harry Thomas is not here. I'm sorry that Harry Thomas is not here with us this year. I'm sorry for all the pain and confusion behind this whole ordeal. Our staff and so many of you of our long-term supervisors, setup team, and all the other people that are here uh, have reason for shock and anger. None of us standing here are here to judge Harry. But let let me clearly say none of us knew anything about these accusations until the victims came forward on December 3rd, 2017. We took swift action to cooperate with the authorities and have done everything we can to encourage health and healing for the victims. Based on what was reported after the last hearing, Harry will have a long sentence term when he would be sentenced later next month. And it is unlikely he will ever attend this event again. So we all have a choice We can get in our vehicles right now and never come back here. Or we can thank God that Harry and Tim started creation, but now it's our turn to lead. We all get to choose. Now some of you are going to need to process this throughout the week, and we are here for you. In anticipation of that need, we even have extra speakers coming for longer periods of time to make sure that there's extra people to help pray with uh, you, the leaders, not necessarily the students, not necessarily the youth pastors, but those that have been impacted the most uh, through the relational connections of being a part of this so in, in depth for so many years. We even have a team of other festival directors that are coming in just to help and support all of us. So, reach out anytime, just like what Bruce said. Anytime you need prayer, anytime you need a hug, or anytime you just need an ear to listen, we're here. And we brought in extra help to make sure that job gets done. No one can replace Harry Thomas, and none of us are going to try. We will lead as a team, and we will move forward in all the things that God has called us to do in giving tribute to our Creator. If you please pray with me. God, is. thank you uh, for this amazing group of people. I thank you for the sustaining uh, grace of your love on all of our lives. God, thank you for sustaining uh, Harry and Marguerite. God, we just pray especially for them today. God, we pray for all of the Thomas family and the extended family. We pray for all the victims. God, that the, the ones that have come forward, maybe others. That we don't even know. God, we just pray for healing. God, that they would not carry this, but God, that you would restore them and give them a great testimony of how you restored their 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 minds, their bodies, their emotions. God, that they would be able to move forward. And God, we just ask you just to be with us, God, as we choose to be able to move forward in the faith that you have called us to. That we are we, if any of us were ever in a place where we were serving a man. Now we are just serving you, King Jesus. We are only here to bring glory to you. We are only here so that you can be able to stir in us and stir in all these people, the visions you have for our life, the missions you have for our life, to be able to bring glory to you, not just here on these grounds, but everywhere we go. God, we just pray your blessing on this message. Give us just ears to hear. Help me to say things clearly so that we can be able to make sure that you impact us with the vision of how we're going to walk this ministry out this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. If you've got, hopefully you have found in your Bible Psalm 31. I'm going to read the whole chapter, and then I'll kind of come back to different ones of those scriptures uh, throughout the message we could spend a long time, but I know all of you have many other uh, assignments to, uh, to work on today as well. I would ask that if you can, try to lay all those, uh, those other lists of things that you need to accomplish to the rest of today down. I promise the next 15 to 20 minutes are going to be worth your time. I'm, I, I've labored over this for months, and I, and I really believe that this is, this is the time that God has set aside for us. In you, O oh Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your namesake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which you have secretly laid for me. For you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God, of truth. I have hated those who have regarded useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities, and you have not shut me into the hand of my enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble." My eye waste away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body. For my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. My strength fails because of my iniquity and my bones waste away. I am a reproach among all my enemies, but especially among my neighbors and repulsive to my acquaintances. Those who see me outside flee from me. I am forgotten like a dead man out of mind. I am a broken vessel. For I hear the slander of many. Fear is on every side. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me for your mercy's sake. Do not let me be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon you. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Let the lying lips be put to silence, which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence, from the plots of man, you shall keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Um, in the heading of 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 my of this version of the Bible, it says uh, it says the Lord a fortress in adversity. This text is all about the adversity that you're facing right now. For some of you your adversity is something back home, something that's personal, something that's like a big deal at work or family or relationships or uh, financial. Uh, but maybe it's the emotion of this week. Um, and so just as we, th- as we walk through this passage, just think about that and, and let God reveal to you through this word exactly what you need to stand on to be able to walk through this. The first uh, verse I want to point back out, is in verse 1, where it says, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. One of the things when bad things happen to us is that we like to, the the world likes to put shame on us. Likes to put bad things on us. You probably heard the phrase, shame on you. That's never a God statement, ever. It's 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 never what God wants us to tell people. If people make you feel small, then that is not God. If you're feeling small, if you're feeling weighted, that's not what God has for you. Uh, A great resource uh, from uh, uh, another author, her name is Brene Brown. She's a secular writer, but she is one of the most watched ever TED Talks about shame. And so I encourage you uh, to read the book. It's been incredibly beneficial for our family. Uh, and us walking out of that so don't let shame sit on you verse two the second part says be my rock of refuge a a fortress of defense to save me we all need refuge from something and christ is that rock we need friends who will stand with us like a rock as well There are times whenever we need somebody with flesh on to be able to say, hey, I'm with you in this. Thank you all that have stood with us. Thank you for those of you that were bold enough to call me, call Bill, call other people on the team, call Kevin, all of our other staff, and and say, hey, we are with you. Thank you that you allow God to encourage us through you. Thank you. Verse 4 says, be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. The evil one has set traps for us all, but Christ will deliver us. Christ is our defense, but we can't be ignorant of the devil's attempts to destroy us all. John 10, 10 says so well, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. We have to live there. We have to be aware. We have to be looking at our back, on our right and our left and asking our friends to check our backside because that's the only way we're going to know where the traps are and try to avoid as many of them as possible. Verse 5, the first part says, Into your hand I commit my spirit. Through this all, we've just had to just trust God you got to help us. In December, we didn't know what that looked like. <laughs> December was such a fog. But then we just had to trust. And many of you were a part of, of that, being able to help us to trust the Lord as well. Verses 7 uh, through, uh, through 10, I just want to read those again. It says, I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble You have known my soul in adversities. You have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye waste away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. In the midst of this, rejoice in pain. God knows our trouble and our pain. And he wants to hear us be able to communicate what's going on. The wide place, when I think of that, I have a, I have a, a wonderful dog that she loves to run in the wide places. She loves to get on the, our, the levee near our house and just take off like a shot. And that's what God wants for us, for us to have that freedom to be able to run and to be able to say, hey, you're, 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 it's going to work, it's going to come around, but we have to walk in that trust that he's going to bring us to that place again. Then it talks about sighing. The sighing, oh, sighing's real. Signs a real emotion. But choose to get your size, give your size to Christ. Do not hold on to the pain. Choose to release it to our Savior. Jesus endured the cross so that you do not have to live in that pain. Where the sighs don't need to stay, they need to be released. Verse 12, I am forgotten like a dead man. Out of mind, I am a broken vessel. For I hear the slander of many. Fear is on every side. While they take counsel together against me, they scheme to take away my life. But as for me, I trust in you, O Lord. You are my God. Choose to admit your brokenness and then trust that God's going to walk you out of that. Last scripture we'll review and then we'll, we'll jump into another illustration. It says, let the, 18 says, let the lying lips be put to shame which speak insolent things proudly and contemptuously against the righteous. Let no lies be spoken against you. It goes back to our friends watching our back telling us the truth but never believing lies that are spoken against us and us choosing not to stir up any lies or any gossip about anything as well. All right, so I have an example for you uh, this morning. So I I was um, I, I borrowed this from a friend of mine, Miss Naomi. I'm not sure if she's here this morning but she's one of the wonderful ladies that uh serves us drinks and coffee and all those things in the um in the cafeteria every day and so she she gave me this pot and um she said that i could use it and that i didn't have to give it back to her so i was thankful about that and so the the, and this is a really nice one because it's painted on the outside and so some of y'all are going to really like that it's going to be really helpful for you to want to maybe get a piece of this later um but this is the reality, and you may have seen this example before, of being a broken vessel. Just being broken. And um, we're going to talk about what that, that looks like. So many years ago, I was a part of a service um, where they had a bunch, of community, a bunch of leaders from around the world that were sharing stories about how they had labored in environments that were incredibly challenging where they might be in Muslim countries where they might have one convert over a 10-year period of time, you know, where they were faithfully serving the Lord, but they just, it was just such a hard place and other, other really um, challenging places and people of need and uh, people just, you know, in all kinds of uh, brokenness and leper colonies. There were all these other examples and... Um, as you might expect, I, I, many of you know I'm from New Orleans, and um, New Orleans is a really hard place to minister as well, and uh, I've been there doing ministry now for the last 21 years. So when I heard this story, it challenged me uh, on serving in the hard places, so they asked us all to, to take a piece of pottery and to write on it a commitment for the place that we serve, and I wrote on this piece of pottery, I said, I want to feel the pain of New Orleans. I wrote this um, seven or eight years ago. And um, a week later, I was on an early morning run. I, I, we used to live uh, in uptown New Orleans, not far from the University of Tulane, if you've ever uh, been anywhere close to there. And I would go out of my, on my driveway and leave, off of my, on my street, and I'd run towards St. Charles Avenue, which is the most beautiful area of New Orleans, and my street's lined with live oaks all on both sides, and then I would get in the streetcar line and run along in that median uh, along there, and it was a four-mile little track, and so I was, I uh, leave at 5.30 in the morning out of my, out of my driveway, head out that way, run down the streetcar line, and come back, so it's so beautiful. On one side, on the right, is the University of Tulane. On the left is Ottoman Park, just a beautiful, beautiful place. And uh, I was almost to the two-mile point where I turn around and head back toward my home, and I see a couple over in the median. Well, you know, it's a streetcar line, so very well they could, even though it's early, they could be catching the streetcar to go downtown, um, so, I, no big deal, just keep on going. And then I turn back around, and then on my way back, the young man starts running next to me. He starts, and which is pretty odd. You know, that doesn't happen very much unless you plan to run with somebody in New Orleans. And uh, we greet each other, and then out of nowhere, he punches me in the face. And uh, he tries to jump on my back, and, um, and I wrestle him off, and I take off through the neighborhood on a different uh, track than what I normally would, just because I know the neighborhood, thankfully, and could make my way home pretty easily. And the young lady, as I run off, she screams, I'm sorry. She's on the ground, crying, saying she's sorry. As I get home and I think about what just happened, my piece of pottery comes back to mind. I'm like, God. I didn't want to feel the pain in my city like this. <laughs> but then my thoughts go back to what kind of pain was that couple in all night? They had been up all night. What had they endured? What did that young lady? What abuse had that young lady endured? What addictions were they dealing with that they had been out in the streets all night? So then, uh, this last year, uh, we have a big outreach for Mardi Gras at our, at our home church, and we had one of the services, and the youth minister was doing a message, and he actually got a big pot, like mine was little, but he got a big one, and he started breaking it up, talking about a life of brokenness, and he asked all the group leaders to take a big piece, and then go back and, and talk to their groups, and I'm like, yes okay just the group's taking a piece i'm not taking a piece i'm not doing that this time that's a bad idea that didn't work out well last time i'm not doing (laughs) that again i'm not doing that ever again and so i was so relieved um i'm free and clear then the pastor our pastor our senior pastor comes we're talking about it talking about a life of brokenness and he challenges us to go get a piece of pottery oh no not again And to write on it our commitment to live broken. And so I wrote on here, my second piece of pottery, live broken, a lifestyle of brokenness. And I take the challenge, even though I'm really scared of the lessons God might teach me this time, and a few weeks pass and no big crisis, even a month, and I'm in the clear. And I'm thrilled that God is going to teach me something again without having to break me again but then soon after that here comes the hammer and my pastor asked to meet me for dinner and I'm really excited about that because I love hanging out with him we've been working on a big project together and I'm just sure that's what he wants to discuss instead it's about a complaint from one of the other church leaders I'm totally caught off guard, and do not even remember the incident in question. My pastor totally believed me, thankfully, and we worked toward a plan of restoration for the relationships. Slowly we make progress, and it comes to light that the other leader had a spiritual challenge that had nothing to do with me, and I was just accidentally said the wrong thing at the wrong time. Nonetheless, I was feeling another level of brokenness because I felt attacked spiritually over words that were trivial. Still, to be able to respond to the brokenness and needs of others, we have to walk in our own brokenness. So, as, as we came to this place of, of thinking about this service and who was going to speak and what were we going to say, I just felt like that this was, was so implemental of exactly what so many people have been walking through this time of brokenness. And so we've challenged all Kevin and myself and Bill we've we challenged all the speakers to to be aware of this and be on you know be sensitive to that as they minister throughout the out the week. Not that we're asking we're, we're, we're going to be mourning all week, and we're, gonna, we're not asking everybody to be sad all week at all, but we're dealing with the reality of the mourning of loss and change. Just the reality of that. So we don't want you to bottle up your pain, but rather use your pain to show compassion for the people that you're here to serve choose to have more compassion for them than ever before for the group that has no clue how to set up their camp. We want God to minister to them, and we want them to, to come back next year, and uh, we can help clear the path for God to uh, move by removing the obstacles in their way. If the worship team would come join me, uh, we're going to prepare uh, to close out the service together. We, once, we ask you to choose to stay in this together because we just do not know what God has planned for us all or what, it, or what is to come in the years ahead. My faith tells me that out of our brokenness, brokenness, Christ will be glorified. The, 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 the last scripture that I'd like to leave with you this morning, uh, verse 14, just to remind you of what it says. It says, but as for me... I trust in you. Oh, Lord, you are my God. We so need just God to show up. We just need him to be the one that comes and meets us where we are and helps us to walk through the brokenness of the rest of this week. All right. So we're spreading these out. You you can go get the pen, Shelly. I think Kevin can get that. Thank you. So we're spreading out all these pieces. And what we'd like to ask you to do, if you have the courage to do it after my two stories, um, is to come get a piece of pottery, come get a pen, and write what you're committed to do this week for Christ how you're going to walk out your brokenness in the midst of serving as we all give everything we have to be able to see God be glorified this week. So as the worship team plays, you can come as a family, you can pray together as a family, you can uh, maybe have friends that you want to pray together with, but take some time and think about your, your piece of pottery and how God can use it to remind you how you might be able to carry this with you through this week and being able to realize, hey, this is the reality of how I'm going to use my pain to love somebody else. I'm going to love them in my brokenness. Amen. If you please worship with us. All right. If some of y'all would like to come get a piece of powdery later, you can. We're not going to pick them up for a while, but uh, right now we're going to, Bill's going to come and kind of uh, share a little to kind of close us out. Good morning. Oh, sorry.
3: <laughs> Been a mess this morning, but uh, man, I'm so thankful. <laughs> Back in uh, January and December when Things were hitting pretty hard. Um, the Lord gave me this verse in Exodus, which I shared at the banquet. My wife Kelly and I were there, and um, it was kind of a was a real rock when uh, when I just couldn't see the way. <laughs> and uh, I love you guys too. <laughs> It was in Exodus 14, 13, and, uh, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will see never again, and the Lord will fight for you, and all you have to do is be silent. There are all these things spinning, and you know, this, this verse just really spoke to me. It's like, all I need to do is be silent, know that. God is my salvation and all I needed to do was stand still and that's hard for me to do because I like to do and uh, so it just gave me a lot of peace in the midst of the storm and it's been a real rock for me to stand on and then um, you know I didn't know where we were going or where, where we should go, but I just knew that we needed to go forward. It was very clear in my heart, very, but I didn't know how, I didn't know where or what it was going to look like, and God has been there every step of the way. There's been some real big mountains to overcome, and uh, there's still more to overcome, but God is faithful. He's always there for you, <laughs> and so I just want to encourage you guys this morning uh, one of the verses that really came to us um, one, one morning when Ben and I were praying was um, uh, Philippians 1.27. And I remembered it this morning in the midst of this amazing group of people and all that we have to accomplish this week. Psalm 27 says, Only let the manner... Let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side (laughs) for the faith of the gospel. Not frightened by anything, by your opponents that is cl- a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God, for it has been granted to you for the sake of Christ that you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake. We're granted that we can suffer for Christ's sake cuz he suffered for us. And we should rejoice in that. We should count it all joy that we can suffer for the gospel because there's life in that. And this week people are going to come here and they're going to hear the gospel. And God's spirit's going to move in them the way he chooses and his will is going to be done. And that's what we should rejoice in that we can strive side by side for the gospel this week and it's not about us it's not about this festival but it's about God being given all the tribute when we're talking amongst ourselves when we're interacting with those that are coming here that have bought a ticket that are looking to experience God on these grounds for all the people that came before us and all the people that are going to go beyond us God's going to do amazing things here, in spite of ourselves, and we're going to strive side by side for the gospel's sake, and nothing else. So I encourage you with that this morning. I love you guys. I'm so thankful for you standing with, with us, and uh, I just uh, one thing I I just wanted to also mention in the midst of all of this. Um, God really allowed us the opportunity to be able to work with an organization called Grace. And uh, just through different circumstances, we were able to get in touch with them. Uh, My wife Kelly and Marguerite actually stumbled across them uh, in the midst of all of this struggle and turmoil. And uh, their goal is to train Christian organizations to recognize and prevent response to child abuse was founded by Billy Graham's grandson, Boz Tavijian, and we had the opportunity to connect with him. He's super excited just to be here and be part of the festival. They're gonna have a booth up here at the at the exhibit hall, and he's we've g- been able to give him opportunities to speak to youth leaders, and um, so we're just excited to be able to, you know, continue to find ways to resource, you know, against, one of the things that we're facing personally, you know, as an organization to walk through, because we know we need to combat these things. Um, thank you for all your prayers, and thank you for just standing with us. Um, so I'll close: with
2: Ben is calling an audible. Sorry, we changed plans. Come on up. All right. If anybody wants to come pray for Bill Young, come stand around him. Come a little closer, more in the middle. There you go. Good job. All right. There you go. God, we just thank you so much for our dear friends, uh, Bill and Kelly. God, we just ask you to touch Kelly's body as she was not able to make it here yet uh, to be with us, but we just believe you're going to heal her body totally and completely so she can be able to be here soon and be able to rejoice with us at all that God's going to do on these grounds. God, we just praise, thank you for all this love and, and just encouragement, God, that we all need, but no one needs more than bill we thank you for him choosing to be willing to be the point of the spear but we choose to be right there with him to be able to help shoulder the load we ask your blessing on all of us god as we serve diligently you to bring glory to your name in jesus name amen
1: all right if you could make your way back to your seats For our second message this morning. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't know if you all love me that much. <laughs> My kids are already falling asleep. No. <laughs> just some general announcements. Um, I do want to say that obviously there there's a lot of us that that walk with and carry stuff as we come to the festival. There just is life happens. Um and it could be really big to you, and it's just a different situation. And just know that it's the same God who's sovereign over those things. It's the same God who cares about those things as you're walking through it, regardless of your age. You know, if you're a 15-year-old and you're just frustrated at lunchtime because of just social issues, or if you're a 58-year-old and you're frustrated with your a child's choice right now with their life and where they're aimed. Whatever it might be, it's the same God who definitely cares about your heart and transforming it through those things. So be encouraged. Be encouraged that God is a good God, and he cares about you. He truly does. Seek him. Seek him with all of your heart. Those aren't small things to him because he's looking at your heart and what it's doing there. Those aren't small things. Let him work through those situations regardless of your age. So for all of you who picked up pieces of pottery and you might not have been the one writing down some big issue that we might see. And maybe it's a smaller one. Maybe it's gossip. You know, maybe it's some of these other things that are also listed with the big sins in the Bible. Those are those are big things. Because they're heart changing. And God cares about your heart. God cares about your heart. So don't be afraid to grab these people and they say, Hey, pray with me. Like grab them on the road and pray with them. Please do.